scars and tears. Remember what I have sworn. I'll be with you through the storm. And never will I leave you. That's something I'll never do. Forever remember that it's true. Never will I leave you. And when you feel that's when I'm near your soul's security. Oh, when will you believe that never will I leave you? But something I'll never do, forever remember that it's true. Never will I leave you. Never will I leave you. reading is found in James 1 verse 5 through 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Good morning, church family. Honor and privilege to be with you again. I apologize, my wife is not with me today. She is with my daughter, uh, visiting another church, finding her place after coming home from college. Has anybody ever felt that when you come home from college, you kind of uh, try to find your way again, new community and things like that? So that's where my daughter and my wife is today. And uh, today's message is called Expect Great Things. Are you expecting great things from the Lord today? Okay, there's about eight or nine of you. That's good. We're off to a good start. And... Uh, I absolutely love this title. I found it reading James chapter 1 in the E.G. White Bible and in the Remnant Bible. So if you have that and you go to James 1, you're going to find a quote there that we're going to talk about today, but we're going to dive into Scripture and words. Are you okay with that if we dive into Scripture and words today in the spirit of prophecy? Okay, good. So I, I would like us to go first to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't mind opening your Bibles, 
we get kind of uh, spoiled when everything's up on the screen. And I'd like to go to Colossians 3, if you don't mind. And uh, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. When you get there, say that's right. Very good. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. What are we supposed to think? Those, um, seek those things are uh, above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. What's another word for mind? Heart. Heart. Is that okay if we use heart too? Mind and heart? Okay, good. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The interesting words that come to me is this word seek, those things which are above where Christ is. We can get very distracted, can't we, in life? Uh, namely, devices. That doesn't make us go straight to heaven when we have this in our face, does it? Or, or this device, right? Or this device. None of you are distracted by any of those. Okay. But in verse 2 it says, Set your mind or heart on things above, not on things on the earth. Our title again today is, Expect Great Things. Colossians 2 in the King James has anybody read in the, the King James Version today? Okay, you must have seen, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So we looked that up in the Strong's Concordance. It says to exercise the mind, entertain or have sentiment or opinion. Do we have lots of opinions? Okay, there's just me that have opinions. Okay, good. And implication to be mentally disposed, disposed, willing, inclined, prepared, ready, in the mood, keen and eager, intensively, competently, comprehensively, effectively, exclusively, exhaustively, fully and thoroughly, to interest oneself in with concern. So if I read that verse again, set your concern or set your obedience on things above, not on things on the earth. Wisdom I get from working with our mind. Do we need wisdom? Our verse today, James 1, 5, and 6, right? Wisdom. Have you been asking for wisdom? Let's look at three verses today. It says, Proverbs 1, verse 20, the call of wisdom. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. Boy, there's some times in my life as a child I wished wisdom screamed just a little louder. Anybody else uh, can? Okay, good. All right, Proverbs 2, verse 1, the value of wisdom. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. There was a time in my marriage where things weren't going so good financially and uh, we were really low on money. We lived in this little apartment and I had just lost my job looking for another job and uh, my son was very young. He was three and a half years old and pushing his sister in the stroller. My wife were walking down the street 
And the things about finances we talked that when we would give to the Lord, we would call it seed. Has anybody else ever called giving to the money to the Lord a seed? Sowing for a future, right? So they were walking down the street, minding his own little business, and right out of the corner of his eye, he looks down off the curb, and there's three pennies on the ground. Now, typically, you say, Mom, money or pennies. But my son said, look, Mom, seed. And they picked that up, and we gave that as an offering. Proverbs 2, verse 6, the gift of wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Very good. Proverbs 3, how could we forget Proverbs 3? We're going to read verses 1 through 6. We'll start for the first three. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all your ways. All of them acknowledge him and he shall direct, direct thy paths. So when we look at James 1, our scripture for today, we know it's about wisdom, but there's some things I want us to look at today. If any of you lack wisdom, we're going to look at that. Let him ask, we're going to look at that, of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth, a word I've always wanted to know about. Anybody else know what upbraideth means? I have no idea till I started studying, and it shall be given him, verse 6, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven, we'll look at that, with the wind, you'll find out some interesting things about that, and tossed. I don't want to be any of those, but there's been many times I have been driven and tossed by the wind. So we're going to look at if any of you lack Wisdom, it says lack means to leave, to fail, or be absent. Leave behind, forsake. If any of you leave behind, if any of you forsake, if any of you lag or inferior, or if any of you are destitute of, to lack, to be wanting to fail. Well, that just interested, made that verse start to get real interesting just with the word lack. Left behind? I don't want to be left behind. I don't, I don't want my life to be inferior. I don't want to be wanting, and I don't want to fail. So I'm asking God for wisdom if I lack that. And then it says, let him ask of God. Ask, beg. Have you begged God? We had uh, service last night, uh, Vespers for the youth around the world, and a young man from the Philippines, Philippines, Joshimer, he had a heart that communicated for all those that were watching last night. You could just hear his walk with God. It was so deep. It was so rich with God's word. 
And he wasn't flamboyant. He just talked from his life. It was wonderful. A call for, crave, desire, require. Is your heart requiring of the Lord? Ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, simply, openly, frankly, sincerely. And upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But as we go on, upbraideth, hmm, to scold, criticize severely, reproach, revile, berate, chastise. Here's my favorite word, not. And upbraideth not, and chastise not, and reproach not, and criticize severely not is what he does to us. There's a big N-O-T in that conversation with us. Isn't that good news? Oh, I'm excited when I started to learn this. But then let him ask in faith nothing wavering, wavering to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from or oppose, figuratively to discriminate, by implication decide or hesitation or vacillation. Should I or shouldn't I? Should I? Is it the Lord's will? Is it not the Lord's will? Should I go or should I stay? What am I supposed to do? I'm so confused. The wavering. God is saying, don't waver when we talk together. Please. I'm sure he doesn't say it like that, but I'm saying that for us today. Driven and for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven, goaded compelled forcibly by an outside agency, huh? impelled, urged, or forced to action through moral pressure, driven, driven, with the wind and tossed. This kind of caught my attention, the wind. I think of wind outside, don't you? You think about how the ocean or a lake, you start to see whitecaps on a lake, or on the ocean, right? And they start to get really big. But when I started to read this, a tendency or force that influences events. Ha, huh. driven with the wind and tossed. A tendency or force that influences events. Malarkey. Have you ever heard anybody ever say that, old school? That's a bunch of malarkey. Ha, huh. idle words in the wind. Empty rhetoric or insincere or exaggerated talk, driven and tossed by the wind. Do you know anyone like that? Have you met anyone like that? Have you caught yourself being that person? So in the Amplified Bible, as I read through it, it says, if any of you is deficient, what's another uh, way we could use the word for deficient? Deficient in the medical field. You're deficient of... Vitamins, vitamin D, did anybody take theirs today? It's pretty gray out right now. Okay, good. I took my gummy vitamin D3 today with pineapple. <laughs> Deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly. Oh, there's a good word. Without reproaching or fault finding. And it will be given him. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers 
hesitates or doubts is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown, and I love this part, hither and thither and tossed by the wind. You almost have to say that with an English accent, right? Blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind, right? It just sounds so much better when you read it in the King James with a King James accent or an English accent. But if we look at the word deficient, lacking, deficient, lacking, wanting, inadequate in amount or degree, defective. Do you ever feel defective? Or do we point fingers at others and say, well, they're a little defective. Incomplete, faulty, flawed. We're all flawed, but by the grace of God. Inferior, insufficient. We catch ourselves. Just reading this two verses, there's a lot coming out of this. Just in those two verses, I'm, are you learning anything? Are you capturing anything? This is amazing. Lacking, scarce, skimpy, deficient, unsatisfactory. Have you ever had a boss tell you that was insufficient and unsatisfactory? Right away you go, wow, is that James 1? I need more winsome. Weak. And then it says, in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally, abundantly, adequately, extensively. I like this word, bountifully, generously, lavishly, properly, and richly. Oh, what a good God we serve. Let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly. Ungrudgingly? enthusiastically, graciously, liberally, warmly, wholeheartedly, ungrudging. He doesn't hold a grudge against you. Should he? Have we all not sinned? Are not the wages of sin death? Should he not hold? Are we not guilty as charged as our enemy would look? As a prosecutor, guilty as charged. And Jesus steps in ungrudgingly. God doesn't hold a grudge. Without reproaching. Well, there's another word I had to go look up. I'm sorry. Complaining, severe, condemning, critical. Have you been this week a little critical? Denouncing, disapproving, disparaging, hypocritical, overcritical, severe, carping, belly aching, and severe, but not our God or fault-finding, and it will be given him. Fault-finding, belly-aching also, criticizing, disparaging, griping, grossing, grumbling, moaning, nagging, quibbling, whining. Oh, don't dare say that about a spouse. Fault-finding, oh my word. He never, ever does the trash. My mom, <laughs> bless her heart, would set the trash out right by the back door, you know, the big white bags that say trash on them by smell. <clears throat> and my dad, every day, would walk and he'd step over it and go out the door. And every day she would be so upset with him that he never took out the trash. Fault finding. Hmm. And, let it, and it will be given him, only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting, for the one who wavers is like the billowing surge out at sea. Wavers, falters, 
fluctuates, hedges, hesitates, oscillates, pauses, quivers, seesaws, shakes, sways, teeters, trembles, vacillates, varies, waffles, and wobbles. Hopefully in the two verses we just read, that there are so many more words that we could look at ourselves and say, Lord, let it not be so. May I be changed with no hesitating and no doubting. In Christ's Object Lessons 146.4, it says, You need not go to the ends of the earth for wisdom, for God is near. Amen? It is not the capabilities you now possess or ever will have that will give you success. We talked about this morning in Sabbath school about being humble. Pride cometh before the fall. Did you catch that part? Capabilities you now possess or ever will have that will give you success. It goes on to say it is that which the Lord can do for you. We need to have far less confidence in what man can do and far more confidence in what God can do for every believing soul. Oh, that's good news. It goes on. But wait, there's more. Watch. Here we go. It says he longs to have you reach after him by faith. When was the last time you longed? Married couples, was it when you were dating? You were longing for the next time you got to spend with her. Wow, something. As a matter of fact, my wife and I, when when we met, um, my story goes that when I saw her walking through the church office, I was sitting in the pastor's office, and I was hanging out with a friend, and she come walking by the office, and I never met her before. It was a pretty big church, and she walked by, and I said to my friend, hey, do you know who that was? He goes, I have no idea. I said, I'm going to go find out. Hi, how are you? My, my, uh, my wife, bless her heart, she saw me from afar, and I was wearing these funny purple sweatpants and this red, orange, and blue jacket and shaking hands with everybody on an afternoon, and she fell in love with me at first sight. True story. That love has been strained and pressured (laughs) a lot in 33 and a half years, but she was longing to meet me, and I longed to meet her. He longs to have you reach after him by faith. He longs to have you, here's the title of the message, expect great things from him. Expect great things from him. This is no name it and claim it sermon, just so we're clear. But there's an expectation he has on you that he longs for you to expect from him. Is that not what we just read? Am I missing something? No, I'm not missing? Okay, let's keep going. He longs to give you understanding in temporal as well as in spiritual matters. How many temporal conversations do we have a day with people? How many spiritual conversations we have with God after the temporal conversations we had with people? He longs for us to give us that information. He can sharpen the intellect. I'm dame bramaged. 
I'm unlearned and ignorant. God just said he can sharpen my intellect. He can yours too. He can give tact and skill. Oh, wait till we get into those two. You're going to have some fun with this one. Well, at least I did anyway. And then it says, put your talents. Does everybody have a talent of some sort that you could be helping in the church? Instead of just coming on Sabbath. Or help all week long for Sabbath. All of us have talents. There's no, th this is everything you've got. Your job is not your savior. Your savior is your savior. He's my savior too. Put your talents into the work for God. Ask God for wisdom and it will be given you. He can sharpen the intellect, sharpen. Put an edge on. There is nothing like going into a kitchen and working with dull knives. That is horrible. A dull knife is more dangerous than a sharp one. True? Any scars on fingers you'd like to show <laughs> from cutting tomatoes, right? A good knife. My daughter just got me the knife of all knives. Now, it's not the most expensive knife, but boy, she paid a pretty penny. It's got the dimples in them. Have you seen the knives? I know Chef over here, he knows what I'm talking about. It has the dimples in it, so when you cut tomatoes, it just falls off the side, right? Nice and sharp, great rocking action, beautifully weighted. Oh, enough about cooking. Lunch is later. But put an edge on, better, enhance, fine-tune, improve, perfect, and polish you when you expect great things. Intellect. Oh, I love this one. Ability, acumen, genius, intelligence, intuition, judgment, Savvy brains. Oh, I thought that was kind of fun. Celebration, meditation, comprehension, intellectual, mentality, reason, sense, smarts, thinker, understanding, and intellect. Also, you have your wits about you. He can give tact and skill. Let's look at tact, shall we? Tact, acumen. Acuteness, address, aptness, care, consideration, control, courtesy, delicacy, diplomacy, discernment, discrimination, gallantry. Is there any gallant men left in the church today? Mm. Head, intelligence, judgment. You're probably thinking, why is he reading every word? For a reason, you'll see. Penetration, perception, poise, policy, presence, repose, skill smoothness, suavity, tactfulness, understanding. Now watch this. Tact is the ability to deal with sensitive situations, subjects, or people in a way that avoids causing offense, embarrassment, or distress. God is in the business of people, and if we don't have tact in our lives, Heaven's going to be really difficult for you if you can't deal with people. And in a church, I know you know some, the pews are where they used to sit. And some of you have come from the places where tact was not used. We have lots to learn about each other, don't we? 
Let's read on. It involves choosing one's words carefully, being intuitively aware of people's feelings, and demonstrating politeness and respect toward others. Amen? He can give tact and skill. Skill is the ability to perform a task or activity effectively, proficiently acquired through practice, training, and experience. Skill is what you do for your job. Tact is how you communicate with one another. And sometimes that scale is really lopsided. No tact, lots of skill. No skill, lots of tact. Are you thinking of the employees you work with? <laughs> it involves a combination of knowledge, techniques, and practical abilities. What are you going to do when this church fills up? What are you going to do? Are you going to have tact and skill to work with them all? Oh, I like my church just as size it is right now. Don't be inviting anybody else. I love these people. I don't know if I can love any more. Hmm. Skills may be cognitive, such as critical thinking or problem solving, technical using tools or operating machinery, physical sports or manual dexterity, and social communication or teamwork. And there's the other words that go there, accomplishment and expertise and proficiency. I worked in a volunteer program called the Civil Air Patrol. It's a, a, a volunteer program uh, under the United States Air Force. I did it for 10 years, and there was this one man who had worked at Boeing uh, Airfield in Seattle, Washington for 40 years. And his job was to find every problem he could possibly find. So when he retired and he came to work with me in this volunteer pro uh, program, he'd always tell me, Tony, there's a problem. Tony, there's a problem. Tony, there's a problem. Tony. There's a problem. I said, Lieutenant, or he was uh, Major Tally. Major Tally, is there any way possible that you could change discussing with me that every time there's a problem to at least having a solution to go with the problem so when we have a discussion, I'm okay with that instead of dealing with all of the problems you keep finding? He said, no. <laughs> and he was, he was straight honest with me. He said, Tony, I worked 40 years for Boeing. That's all they trained me how to do was just find problems. That's all I know what to do. Find a problem. So I had to go find another person that when he heard problem, he said, we're going to go find a solution. So then the three of us would sit down together. He'd say, we got a problem. I said, John. He goes, okay, here's the solution. I said, this is great. See, it takes people to work together. As a matter of fact, that young man that I met, John, who helped me with the old guy, the OG problem guy, he was in high school. Then he went to college. I met so many amazing young people in that program, most squared away young women and men I've ever met in my life, short of being solid, Bible-believing, hungry youth for Jesus. So how about an amazing fact? Are you okay with an amazing fact? Did you know that Shaquille O'Neal stands seven foot one and his wingspan is seven foot seven? I mean, that's an amazing fact, wouldn't you think? 
that's pretty amazing. I, like, everybody I pretty much look up to anyway, but seven foot. There was a young man at church down at Granite Bay one time, and I was sitting with a young man, and this guy come walking. They had 10-foot doors over there. I don't know if you've ever been. It's the old building. And he come walking through the door, and we were like, whoa, that guy's tall. And he goes, yeah, I think he's six foot ten. I said, he's seven feet. He doesn't even glance at us. He walks by us and goes, seven foot two. Kept on walking, didn't even look at us. Like he'd been asked that before. Okay, how about this? Did you also know that Walt Chamberlain, or Wilt Chamberlain, sorry, seven foot one was seven foot eight wingspan? That guy's tall. He's skinny, too, back in the day. All right, how about, have you heard of this man, Robert Wadlow? Lived in the early 20th century and stood 8 foot 11, and his wingspan or reach was 9 foot 11. Whoa, that's an amazing fact. But I can't just leave the women out. I have to share about the women. Does anybody know how to say that name? Malgozata? How's that? Am I good with that? Anyway, she stood 7 foot 2. It doesn't say what her reach or wingspan was, we can assume that her height and her wingspan is the same. That's usually what they say. Seven foot two lady. Wow. Well, how about the tallest living woman in the world? Stands seven foot seven. She holds world records of having the longest measurements in her hands, her fingers, and her back. Her fingers measure 4.4 inches. My hand is seven. Her fingers are long, or half in the middle there than my hand. Her right hand measures 9.81 inches. Her right hand and her left is 9.55. That's some kind of hand. Now, in the photo, she's using a walker, <clears throat> and if you get real close, you can see that her hands are a little deformed, probably because she grew really fast. But I want to ask you about the reach of the woman with the issue of blood. Hmm. She had some kind of reach, didn't she? Oh. Reach, reaching, stretch, the act of physically reaching or thrusting out. Capacity, distance, extension, grasp, Horizon, influence, magnitude, power, scope, and spread. What about the reach of the woman with the issue of blood? If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. As the story reads in the Ministry of Healing, chapter 4, they advanced but slowly, for the crowd pressed Christ on every side. In making his way through the multitude, the Savior came near to where the afflicted woman was standing. Again and again she had tried in vain to get near him. Now her opportunity had come. She could see no way of speaking to him. She would not seek to hinder his slow advance, but she had heard that healing came from a touch of his garments. And fearful of losing her one chance for relief, she pressed forward, saying to herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. Christ knew every thought of her mind, and he was making his way to where she stood. He realized her great need, 
and he was helping her to exercise faith. He was passing. She reached forward and succeeded in barely touching the border of his garment. That moment, she knew that she was healed. In that one touch was concentrated the faith of her life, and instantly her pain and feebleness disappeared. Instantly she felt the thrill as of an electric current passing through every fiber of her being. There came over her a sensation of perfect health. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. The grateful woman desired to express her thanks to the mighty healer who had done more for her in one touch than the physicians had done in 12 long years, but she dared not. With a grateful heart, she tried to withdraw from the crowd. Suddenly, Jesus stopped, and looking around, he asked, Who touched me? Looking at him in amazement, Peter answered, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Who touched you? Who didn't touch you? Somebody hath touched me, Jesus said, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. He could distinguish the touch of faith from the casual touch of the careless throng. Someone had touched him with a deep purpose and had received an answer. Virtue. Shall we? Hmm. Advantage, character, ethic, excellence, faith, generosity, goodness, ideal, kindness, all leaving from Jesus. Love, merit, morality, purity, quality, rectitude, righteousness, and value. The dictionary says of virtue, moral excellence, goodness, righteousness, I would say of our Savior. Conformity of one's life and conduct to moral and ethical principles. Uprightness. Rectitude again. The Strong's Concordance shares force, literally and figuratively. Especially miraculous power, strength power, ability, inherent power. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth power-performing miracles, moral power and excellence of soul, the power and influence <clears throat> which belong to riches and wealth, the power and resources arising from numbers, power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, and hosts. It goes on to say Christ did not ask the question for his own information, he had a lesson for the people, for his disciples, and for the woman. I'll read that again. He had a lesson for the people, for his disciples, and for the woman. He wished to inspire the afflicted with hope. He wished to show that it was faith which had brought the healing power. The woman's trust must not be passed without comment. God must be glorified by her grateful confession. Christ desired her to understand that he approved her act of faith. He longs for you 
to reach out after him by faith, he would not have her depart with half a blessing only. She was not to remain in ignorance or of his knowledge of her suffering or of his compassionate love and of his approval of her faith in his power to save to the uttermost all who come to him. Looking toward the woman, Christ insisted on knowing who had touched him. Finding concealment vain, she came forward trembling and cast herself at his feet. With grateful tears, she told him before all the people why she had touched his garment and how she had been immediately healed. She feared that her act in touching his garment had been one of presumption, but no word of censure came from Christ's lips. He spoke only words of approval. How many words have we read today? looking for that approval from his word from two scripture today. He only spoke words of approval. They came from a heart of love, filled with sympathy for human woe. Daughter, he said gently, be of good comfort. Thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace. How cheering were these words to her. Now no fear that she had given offense embittered her joy. So I ask you today, what about your reach? Do you have an issue or two of something? Have you reached? Have you longed for? Are you willing to today? Oh, it's too big. It's okay. I can live with it. I've lived with it all these years. It's just the burden I have to carry. Hmm. Reaching, stretch, the act of physically reaching or thrusting out by faith. Do you remember what he longs for? Christ's object lessons, he longs to have you reach after him by what? By faith. He longs to have you expect great things from him. He longs to give you understanding in temporal as well as in spiritual matters. He can sharpen the intellect. He can give tact and skill. Put your talents into the work. Ask your God, our God, for wisdom, and it will be given you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for showing us to expect great things. You long from us. You long for us to expect great things. From you. You encourage us, you challenge us, but Lord, we can be so selfish with our own ailing issues in our heart, in our minds. Might be unforgiveness because of what someone said or did. Could be a lot of years ago, we could be holding on to things. It could be just this week, someone said something. Forgiveness is freely given here from you, Father. We thank you for moving on our hearts. Thank you for moving in our minds. Thank you for your word. We want to trust you, Lord, for wisdom. We don't want to hesitate, and we don't want to doubt you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
322, nothing between. Closing with our benediction in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, 
think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen today in God's word, do. And the God of peace will be with you always. Happy Sabbath day. You may be seated. <clears throat> 